1: the four abducted Americans in Mexico have been found
2: dead. We have the means and the capability to take them out. I'm not talking about politics. I'm talking about action and direct action tied to that. Fox host Tucker Carlson releases a new
0: report on footage from January 6th. This is one of the the biggest scandals in the history of the United States of America. President Biden looks to
1: raise taxes On wealthy citizens.
3: And every single one of these tax
1: hikes is inflationary. This is the Daybreak Insider Podcast. Your first look at today's top stories for Wednesday, March 8th. I'm Mike Scott. Four Americans who were kidnapped in Mexico after a road trip for cosmetic surgery went violently awry ended with two dead and two others held captive for days before they were found near the Gulf of Mexico. Reporter Robert Sherman is on the scene and explains the ordeal.
4: One of the Americans who survived is mostly unharmed, whereas another one is in need of urgent care. We do have this to share from law enforcement that there is one Mexican national in custody related to this whole incident. But that being said, there are two Americans who lost their lives and their bodies still have yet to come home. Escorted by fully armed Mexican soldiers, the two surviving Americans ambushed in Matamoros were brought back to the U.S. Tuesday afternoon. One of them, Latavia McGee, escaped to the port of entry in Brownsville with her life. Two of the other people she was with, however, did not. Mexican President Andres Manuel Lopez Obrador announcing the discovery earlier in the day. The four Americans apparently cross into Mexico Friday for a medical procedure. ...when their white minivan was shot at and all four were kidnapped. The scars of the ambush still visible today... ...as bullet holes line walls and puddles of blood have yet to be washed away.
1: Sherman says that Mexico's president has rebuffed any suggestion... ...that American troops be allowed to assist his country in dealing
4: with the cartels. Matamoros is home to the Gulf cartel... ...which has seen splintering and warring over the last decade... The previous leader, known by his name El Contador, or The Accountant, was indicted by U.S. officials last year. More Americans were murdered in 2021 and the first half of 2022 than every other country in the world combined. The State Department has issued a Level 4 Do Not Travel advisory for six states in Mexico, including Tamaulipas in the Northeast, where the ambush took place. The mayor of nearby McAllen, Texas, says he believes it's time for Mexico to let the U.S. come in and help clean up the crime. But the president of Mexico says he's not going to let that happen, insisting that Mexico is a sovereign nation and that they will not be tolerating any foreign intervention whatsoever. The two Americans who
1: were killed, Shaid Woodard, age 33, and Zindel Brown, in his mid-20s, will be turned over to U.S. authorities following forensic work at the Matamoros Morgue, according to the local governor. Betty McGill is the aunt to survivor Latavia McGee and Shadied, who was killed and talks about her niece and nephew
3: latavia she is a, she's a very very knowing person she is very, she's very nice and she is a very loving mother and friends she loves she knows she may. Lots of friends, you know, people, you know, everywhere she goes, she always make friends. And Shai, he no, he is very quiet, you know. He, he's about the same thing as you know, Latavia. He's very quiet and he helps people. He'll do anything for people if anybody asks him.
1: White House spokesperson Corinne Jean-Pierre states that the Biden administration is working with Mexico in order to make sure that Justice is served.
5: We're still working with Mexican officials to learn more and to have all Americans return to the United States. We will continue to work closely with the Mexican government to ensure justice is done in this case.
1: Mexican President Andres Manuel López Obrador claims that people responsible will be punished. Retired Air Force Special Operations Commander Glenn Ignacio says It's time to designate cartels as terror organizations.
2: The law enforcement doing to the max extent that they can of what they're allowed, and, and they're fantastic people and they do things that you wouldn't believe. But you're absolutely right. is If you know what the rules are and you know what the laws are, the cartels go right up to that edge and then change their game. In addition, you're talking billions and billions of dollars. And these people have access to weapons and technology that is beyond many of the times what the law enforcement has. They literally have a grip and control of Mexico. So escalating to a military operation like that and, and i think it has to be very focused and very specific to these cartels but that is one thing that would scare them and second of all we have the means and the capability to take them out i'm not talking about politics i'm talking about action and direct action tied to that
1: ignazio explains what sort of tactics he believes could be
2: used against the cartels when we talk about direct action and taking care of that, yes, I, I, I'll, I'll clarify a little bit more. Is one of the things we would have to watch out is when they live in these areas, they support the local environment and the local populace very well, is we have to watch out for collateral damage. So that's why when I was saying surgical, it would have to be surgical. But absolutely, as far as our special operations or special warfare, all of our agencies that work together would be able to take these individuals out. We'd have to do it very surgically and very specifically.
1: Attorney General Merrick Garland put the blame for the death squarely on the drug cartels. The FBI had offered a $50,000 reward for the victim's return and the arrest of the abductors. A new report by Fox News host Tucker Carlson is raising some eyebrows The host released unedited footage of the January 6th rioting, which was part of the 41,000 hours of footage given to him by Speaker Kevin McCarthy. The report released by Carlson seems to undercut the prevailing narrative that the January 6th rioting was an extremely
6: violent event. By the evening of January 6th, the Democratic Party and its publicists in the national news media had settled on a description of what had happened that day. They distilled an enormous number of highly complex events, events that even now we don't fully understand, into a single emotionally related political slogan, which they've repeated for years with remarkable discipline. January 6th, they said, was a deadly insurrection. Carlson points out that according to the footage
1: he's seen, the riot at the Capitol on January 6th was relatively
6: nonviolent. Very little about January 6th was organized or violent. Surveillance video from inside the Capitol shows mostly peaceful chaos.
1: Carlson goes on to say that the footage he received shows the belief that Officer Brian Sicknick died because of the attack on the Capitol was false.
6: The January 6th committee knew perfectly well that Brian Sicknick was walking normally through the Capitol after he was supposedly murdered by Trump supporters. And they know that because they saw this tape. We can be sure because the footage contains an electronic bookmark that is still archived in the Capitol's computer system. That means that investigators working for the Democratic Party reviewed this tape. They saw it. But they refused to release the tape to the public. Why? because this tape would shatter the fraud they were perpetrating on the country. Carlson also points out that the footage
1: shows that most people at the Capitol that day were simply sightseeing. However, Carlson alleges the event was then used as a political cudgel against Republicans by the Department of Justice. Mike Gallagher, host of the Mike Gallagher Show on the Salem Radio Network, reviewed the report from Carlson and says, in his opinion,
0: it was astonishing what the tapes revealed. Anybody who dares to push back against the narrative that this was an armed insurrection where multiple law enforcement were killed, the country was almost overthrown in the blink of an eye, they were about to hang Mike Pence, anybody that pushes back against that narrative gets, gets utterly torched. And no one wants to touch this issue. If you're frustrated that the mainstream media isn't revealing what Tucker Carlson revealed last night on his show, don't worry, you know me better than that. Because we're going to be all over this. My gosh, I watched that show last night with my my jaw hitting the floor. Gallagher
1: explains why the conversation around January 6th is more nuanced than most media outlets portray.
0: Tucker used a a descriptor last night that the media glommed onto. He called a lot of the protesters sightseers. And of course, they mocked him for that because you can see video of violent activity. And make no mistake, there was violent activity on January 6th. You can't pretend that, that there wasn't. You can't say don't believe your lying eyes when you see People fighting viciously with cops and breaking windows and tearing down barricades. So you can't, you can't on the one hand, pretend there wasn't violence. But on the other hand, you can't say, don't believe your lying eyes, when you do see a number of the protesters that day walking peacefully through the Capitol, taking pictures and selfies and being guided by Capitol Police.
1: The Salem radio host pulled no punches... Says that he believes that Carlson's reporting exposes one of the bigger scandals
0: in U.S. history. This is one of the biggest scandals. These Democrats on that January 6th select committee withheld and lied and obfuscated and deceived the American people. And I knew something was wrong when they would never play the part of Trump's speech where he said, I know. You're going to go peacefully protest at the Capitol. They never played that. You know, if you listen to this show, I played it over and over again. Last night, if you watch Tucker's show, he played it because they never did. Because they're lying to you. They edited out what they didn't want you to see. This is one of the, the biggest scandals, as far as I'm concerned, in the history of the United States of America.
1: President Biden's nominee to the FCC is withdrawing her name amid accusations she lied during Senate hearings. Daybreak Insider's Bob Agnew has more from Capitol Hill. Gigi Sohn faced three contentious hearings before the Senate Commerce Committee, including this exchange last month with ranking member Republican Ted Cruz.
7: Let me move on. You don't think it was poor judgment to mislead this committee or to mislead the president who was nominating you. Let me ask you a second question. Senator, I don't th- agree that I misled this committee, so I would like to make I, that the, clear. The, the record is, I believe, abundantly clear.
1: And says She was the victim of what she calls unrelenting, dishonest, and cruel attacks, much of it coming from giant media corporations. Bob Agnew, Capitol Hill. According to reports, a jury in Los Angeles has awarded a prosecutor $1.5 million, all part of a lawsuit against Democrat District Attorney George Gascone. Prosecutor Sean Randolph sued Gascone, saying that she was demoted for speaking out against his soft-on-crime policies. Randolph also says she has repeatedly raised concerns about Gascone's criminal justice reforms, believing they could be harmful or unethical. News Nation's Dan Abram lays out his
7: review of the facts in the case. The embattled DA is now being ordered to pay, literally, for his soft on crime policies. An L.A. jury yesterday awarded $1.5 million to a prosecutor from his office who sued Gascone after she was demoted for pushing back on Gascone's crime reform policies. It's a huge blow for the DA, in particular because there are more than a dozen similar cases already filed against him. The case was brought by attorney Sean Randolph, Former head of the juvenile division of the DA's office, Randolph objected to some of the more radical changes that Gascone imposed, including a blanket ban on trying juveniles as adults. And after she spoke up, Randolph, a 30-year vet, was transferred to the parole division in what would seem to be a clear demotion. Gascone's attorneys argued that Randolph was not demoted, but that the new assignment was just part of a larger reshuffling of the office that took place earlier in Gascone's tenure, but the jury jury didn't buy it. Abrams points out that
1: this isn't the first time that Gascone has been sued by one of his employees.
7: And what's truly nuts about this story is that the DA's office has already settled one of the cases against Gascone, apparently for a seven-figure sum. Back in March of 2021, Gascone was accused of retaliation by another longtime prosecutor, Richard Doyle, who alleged that he was reprimanded for questioning Gascone's decision to drop felony charges against three anti-police protesters who were charged for trying to derail a train. Doyle was reportedly approached with a settlement offer just a day
1: after he filed suit. Abrams goes on to explain why he believes Gascone's
7: employees are turning against him. Right now, 16 similar cases are pending against the liberal DA from his own staff who are trying to get him to enforce the law, not create his own system of
1: justice. The similar lawsuits from deputy district attorneys say they were demoted for publicly raising concerns about his directives. On Tuesday, President Biden released an op-ed proposing to increase taxes on the wealthy in order to ensure the solvency of Medicare.
7: I want to make it clear, I'm going to raise some taxes. Many of you are billionaires out there, you're going to stop paying at 3%. The idea that a billionaire, we used to have 600 or so in the United States of America, now there's a 1,000. The idea that they pay at a rate that is lower than the rate of a police officer a school teacher, a nurse, is bizarre. According to that proposal,
1: the White House would increase the Medicare tax rate for taxpayers earning an annual income of more than $400,000 from 3.8% to 5%. The president's op ed also included his budget proposal for the next fiscal year, which the president is expected to unveil in full on Thursday. Larry Kudlow of Fox Business is blasting the proposal, saying it simply makes no
3: sense. We are learning that the Biden budget, when it comes out, is going to be chock full of tax hikes on successful earners, on investments, and on small businesses. All these are the backbone of the job-creating economy. There they go again. Apparently, Biden wants to slap a 5% tax rate on income above 400000 on capital gains and on small businesses. Small business, by the way, responsible for about 60 to 70% of the jobs in this country, probably roughly the same amount in terms of economic activity. It sounds like both Powell and Biden are getting ready to slaughter the small business sector. This is not good. Biden says he's doing it to save Medicare, but a slumping economy from higher taxes will make the Medicare and Social Security budgets even worse as the economy declines. This makes no sense at all.
1: Kudlow warns that not only does the tax hike proposal threaten job
3: growth, but it also may increase inflation. And all this comes on top of tax hikes already legislated. Remember, minimum tax on corporations, that's book value, an end to the immediate bonus depreciation for the R&D tax credit, a reduction from 100% expensing to 80% expensing on new business equipment, And continued Janet Yellen efforts to put together some kind of crazy tax on American companies operating overseas. Every single one of these is a prosperity killer. Every single one of these is a job killer. And every single one of these tax hikes is inflationary. Because even if the Fed reduces the money supply, these dumb tax hikes will reduce the supply of goods even more, which creates higher prices. Remember our laffer. Producing more apples is counterinflationary. Producing fewer apples raises their price.
1: Meanwhile, Joe Biden has repeatedly accused Republicans of seeking to cut Medicare and Social Security benefits, hoping to use the attack as fodder in the 2024 election cycle. But Republicans say those assertions are not true, noting any plans to do so are off the table. 34 Tyson Foods employees, former employees, and family members have filed a lawsuit against the company. Daybreak Insider's Jeremy House has details on this developing story.
3: They say Tyson failed to take appropriate precautions at its meatpacking plants during the early days of the COVID pandemic. The plaintiffs say Tyson's negligence and disregard for its workers led to emotional distress, illness, and death. Several of the plaintiffs are the spouses or children of Tyson workers who died after contracting COVID.
1: A rocket made by the world's largest metal 3D printer is set to lift off from the Kennedy Space Center in Florida this week. Daybreak Insider Ed Donahue has more on the
2: high-tech marvel. The Terran-1 rocket is made by a company called Relativity Space. CEO Tim Ellis says it's 85% 3D printed. We have
7: our own in-house team that has designed this rocket from a blank piece of paper. Uh, We've built our own rocket engines. We've built our own factory with the world's largest metal 3D
2: printers our own custom aluminum alloys. The rocket is only 110 feet tall, smaller than the Atlas and Falcon 9 rockets. It is the largest 3D-printed object in the world out of metal. Despite its small size, the Terran 1 rocket is capable of lifting more than 4,000 pounds into low Earth orbit. I'm Ed Donahue.
1: And finally, the European Space Agency says that since
5: lunar missions are on the rise, the moon may need its own time zone. With dozens of lunar missions on the horizon, a joint international effort is being formed to standardize how we measure time on the moon. While at first glance establishing a special time zone for the moon may not seem like that big of a deal, it kind of is. Let me explain. Since 1967, we've measured time on Earth on a global scale using what's called Coordinated Universal Time, or UTC, which is based on super-accurate atomic clocks. UTC stays the same no matter where you are on the planet but because human beings typically like to wake up in the morning and go to bed at night, we assign local time zones, plus or minus one hour, roughly every 15 degrees east or west of the international dateline. There are some oddities with state and national borders, and daylight savings time throws a big wrench in the works every six months, but generally speaking, you can always figure out what time it is anywhere else on the planet relative to UTC.
1: As of right now, any moon mission adopts the time from the country that is operating the spacecraft, which means that a space capsule from America could be in the same place as a capsule from Japan, but have two different time zones. In order to uncomplicate things, the European Space Agency says an internationally accepted time zone for the moon will make it
5: easier for everyone. Currently, the time on the moon is based on local time at mission control for any given spacecraft. So, say there's a rover from Cape Canaveral. If it's 7am in Florida, it's 7am on the moon, no matter where the rover actually is. But say that rover crossed paths with a lander from Wenchang, China. Even though they'd be right next to each other, it'd be 7am for the rover and 8pm for the lander. Right now, that's not really a big problem. There just isn't that much stuff on the moon for it to matter. However, as countries and private companies expand moon missions in the coming decades, the European Space Agency believes a common lunar reference time will become vital to maintaining order. However, it won't be easy to designate
1: a standard international time. For starters, clocks run faster on the moon. Plus, the clock speeds differ between orbit and the lunar surface. Currently, there are rocket scientists trying to hammer out time zone details. Subscribe to the Daybreak Insider podcast at Apple or Google Podcast, Spotify, or SalemPodcastNetwork.com. Get our companion Daybreak Insider newsletter each morning at DaybreakInsider.com. Ongoing coverage of breaking news and commentary at SRNNews.com and TownHall.com. Thanks for starting your day with us. I'm Mike
7: Scott.